Can you imagine a world where limitations vanish and your perfect reality unfolds? If failure didn't exist, who would you become? And what extraordinary accomplishments would you achieve? In today's episode, Dan Matthews delves into the transformative impact of Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich by exploring the power of thought energy and the convergence of science and religion. I'll be curious to hear your thoughts. Would you like to think and grow rich? If so, keep on listening. This podcast is dedicated to those who have found their way from fear to freedom and for those who are considering undertaking this amazing journey. This is the Courage to Be podcast, and I am your host, Tanya Vasayo. Before we get into this episode, I'm thrilled to share that I'm hosting a series on how people's lives have been influenced by the book Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. If you'd like to learn and apply how to think and grow rich, go to the show notes to get some wonderful free resources and join the Courage to Be community. I look forward to being your guide and mentor so you can transform your life. Welcome back to the Courage to Be, where we have powerful conversations to transform your life and your business. And we are continuing with this incredible series on Napoleon Hill and his book, Think and Grow Rich, and how this book has just influenced people's lives. Today, we have Dan Matthews with us. Welcome, Dan. Thanks, Tanya. It's a pleasure to be here. And thanks for everyone who's attending. This will be fun. I'm so excited to have you here and so many questions that I have in mind for you. The first one, though, is that we are starting our interview at 1010 your time, Pacific time on 110 on January 10th. You know, like what are the coincidences with numbers, Dan? You know, like, can you talk to us about this? Well, you know, there are some things, there's a thing called divine intervention, and it comes to us through coincidences, synchronicities. I just was sending an email to a business associate last week and the phone rang and he was just starting to write an email to me, but he thought he would try to call, try to call first. And just those kinds of connections, numbers, time, 10, 10, 10, that's really cool. Yeah, it's a time to stop and pay attention to other things. It's a little alert. I like it. So we'll take it as that, that it's time to pause and listen to our conversation because there might be some messages for the listener, right? That's right. No, I know there will be. This is perfect. So Dan, tell me a little bit. I mean, your story is fascinating because you're marine biologist, but you've also studied theology. And what I've been fascinated with you ever since I met you of how your capacity of blending the scientific part of things with the spiritual side of things. And I want you to share how this has come about for you. And then we'll dive deeper into Think and Grow Rich, Universal Laws, and all these other intriguing subjects well you know we all start out with at a base point where we really don't know anything but we all have within us a feeling that there's something more to life than just everyday living everybody feels that way there's not a person on earth that feels any differently because we have within us a a source of energy that is the same source energy as the creative intelligence, conscious awareness, infinite intelligence, the heart of God, Allah, Buddha, whatever you want to call it. That energy is energy that has always been here, and and a portion of it is within every one of us. We call it our soul. We call it our conscience. We call it our guiding light. Whatever name you give to it, you know that it's there. Everybody knows that. And that is an important part of where we go in life is how we open up to that still small voice within us how we open up to the flow of inspiration or intuition into our lives and it's beyond our everyday experience it's beyond our work and our financial responsibilities and our family any relationships it's something that's at another level. And it's that thing that drives us 
to learn more, whether it has, whether it's science. I started as a child, I was always told, Danny, stop daydreaming, pay attention in school. And like first grade, I'm six years old. And I wanted to say back to the teacher, but you don't understand, which is really true. Most people, 99% of people, maybe more than that on the planet, don't have any clue about how to tap into that source of energy, that source of knowledge and understanding and compassion and that is in every one of us. And it's not just in us, it's in every other person and it's in the universe. It's what we call the mind of God, source energy, creative intelligence, conscious awareness. Those things are all descriptions of something much bigger than us that is thinking, imagining, and creating just like we think and imagine and create in our own lives. And it's responsible for the creation of all the universe. Now, I started out my studies in science and actually in also in creative writing and have a degree in physics and a degree in English and a master's degree in marine biology, mostly because of I switched from uh, studying astrophysics to marine biology out of convenience because there's a university that has a marine station, research and teaching station about one mile from my house. So I decided to change majors. Plus my physics professor, my advisor wanted me to go into what they call solid state physics, which is transistors and the way that computers work now, Intel chips and all that stuff run by solid state physics and what they now call quantum physics. And I just wasn't interested at the time in going into that area. So I looked at several areas of science, but at the same time was a student of theology, started out with a Christian background and expanded into theology that included Buddhism and Islam and some of the other minor religions around the world. And until I realized that they were all telling the same story. All religions tell the same story. And it has to do with gratitude. It has to do with expanding your awareness. It has to do with being in tune with infinite intelligence, in tune with the mind of God, aligned with the heart of God. It wasn't until a few years later that I realized that science told exactly the same story, but without the emotional hoverings of gratitude, and submissive surrender and opening your heart to anything. It was just objective, which was only part of the story. And theology told a, a different part of the story that had to do with the emotional status. It's the same story and not just the same story, but the, the two together produce a whole picture one of infinite intelligence that fills the universe, which is the physics, not the theology, that, that the universe is filled with thought energy. And the other story that has to do with our responsibility and our ability to tap into that energy. For about 400 years, those two topics have been considered separate, but the people that decided to get them separate, Rene Descartes and, and his followers, who was a French mathematician in the 1500s, and Isaac Newton, who came a little bit later, who believed that science and theology were telling the same story, but Descartes' philosophy won out. And for the last 400 years, we've been taught that those are two different things. If you're studying science, you're studying three-dimensional three space, measurement and all that, prediction, predicting how chemicals combine to make different substances and so forth. The theology story was the story of sin and guilt it had transposed or transformed into a bunch of rules and regulations. They forgot that the basic tenet of all religion is God is love, and it became overridden with rules and regulations. So we have religion on one side, which told one part of the story, and miraculously, the most important parts of it have been preserved, even with all of the wars and rules and restrictions of religion the basic core information is still there. And th science 
which tells why it's there. And the, those two concepts together produce a, a coherent whole. No, but I think it was necessary. And especially for someone like myself, you know, growing up at the end of a dictatorship in Spain with Franco and just everything was forced kind of down, like our beliefs were forced onto us, you know, and that, you know, carried out throughout my, my childhood. And even though it wasn't spoken, but like, you have to believe in this God, you have to be Catholic, you have to, you know, like it, it just, it's all these beliefs, all this dogma has made me very resistant to the word religion. And so I really appreciate you. I've always considered myself spiritual. And for me, that distinction is I don't want someone telling me how I'm supposed to connect with infinite intelligence, with source, with spirit. Even the word God for me can be a little bit triggering sometimes, you know, well, because okay. of that forcefulness, you know, and so, and, and I, you know, I, I don't know what the percentages of people that, that grow up and feel comfortable with religion and the people that consider themselves spiritual. So I do appreciate you, Dan, and this is why I'm so fascinated with you from the moment I've, I've met you and in your classes and your teachings of merging both of these worlds of science and spirituality, the mystery, if you want to call it that way, because we get caught up with the semantics like this, you know, like, like I was saying, like, I'm starting to get more comfortable with the word God, but oh no, I feel more comfortable with infinite intelligence. You know, it's just like, no spirit moves me better. And I feel more comfortable with that because there is a feeling and I appreciate you so much exp explaining this, you know, like the the more emotional, you use the word emotional, like attaching this to the religious, to the spiritual side of it, that's more connected to our feeling, to our emotion. And then you have the science part of things that's more objective, you know, like, and, and I just love that you came to this planet, that you've been able to merge and make things a little bit more understandable for people like myself. So thank you for that long explanation. I do appreciate it. And what I observe out of that is your innate curiosity of just this, you have this curiosity. I mean, for someone that's done these different careers, your PhD, you're wanting to study theology, you're getting into marine biology, but then you're doing, I mean, astrophysics, but then you're getting into marine biology. Tell us, is that, obviously, I know we all have innate curiosity from the moment we're born because we're beings of just wanting to learn. But if that's been taken away from us as we've gotten older, you know, that like your teachers said to you, stop daydreaming. You know, that's all part of curiosity. That's all part of our imagination. That's all part of our birthright. But if it's beaten out of us through our teachers, through our parents, through culture, media, whatever it is, how do we tap back into that innate curiosity? That's really a great question, Tanya, because your experience with Franco and the Spanish regime of the time is religion to its intolerable and it's everything that organized religion is known for and given people a bad experience, not giving them freedom, not giving them a feeling of self-worth, of deserving, of being aligned with God, aligned with infinite intelligence, because they didn't understand, the, whether it's the Catholic religion or the Lutheran religion or whatever it happens to be, or the branches of the Islamic religion. It's the same story. But the same things happened with all of them because it was a source of power. And the power got control of the people making the decision. The love of power instead of the love of people. But I got so far off thinking there that I, I lost the, the core of your question. Ask it once more. Curiosity. I Cur see your innate curiosity. Yeah. How do we tap back into that then for people that don't have that? And Not that they don't have it. They still have it. It's just they have parked it to the side for many years. How right. do we tap into it? And, and you described it perfectly. They they still have it. We they, But attached to that feeling, the wonderful feeling of discovery, of curiosity fulfilled, attached to that is all the baggage of punishment and guilt and remorse and shame and that somehow curiosity is a bad thing. And that's just not true. 
And it was taught to us by people who didn't understand that it wasn't true, that it's something that should be nourished. Babies up until they're uh, almost two years old are geniuses. They're completely wide open to the inflow of infinite intelligence. By the time they're seven years old, only about 20% of them have that. And by the time they're 15 years old, almost zero because it's been beaten out of them, like you said, by their parents, by their teachers, by their peers, by their relatives, by their neighbors. Everybody has confined themselves and they think that that's normal. And if you are a, a dreamer, you're some kind of lunatic. You're, you're crazy. You don't understand. You can't do that. That's impossible. You can't have a, something you can put in your pocket that calculates and calls people on the phone and you can see movies of them from any place on the planet. That's insane. But there are some people that are still dreamer and those people are the ones that change the planet. You know, this is interesting that you're saying that, you know, and that's such a great example, you know, thank God that what's his name, Steve Jobs decided not to listen to anyone else and keep on dreaming and have these dreams and have an iPhone, you know, he's had such an impact on humanity. And as you're saying, dreaming, we were in one of our classes at the Institute, I think it was yesterday, actually, and we were talking about our higher faculties, you know, in the book of Think and Grow Rich and how Napoleon Hill talks about our six higher faculties. And we were in the class discussing, what is it? The intellectual faculties. Yes, the intellectual faculties. Thank you. And we were discussing our favorite ones, you know, and you happened to, if I remember correctly, you said that one of your favorite ones was imagination and it's tied in with curiosity, the same thing. What can we do? I want to leave the listeners with just how do we start developing or getting in touch with that imagination, with our own curiosity, any two three tips of what to do for those that don't have it as developed as yourself, Dan? Well, one thing, I don't know if I can come up with three, but one thing is imagine your perfect world without any restrictions, without any barriers, with the word impossible does not exist. Anything is possible. Anything is possible. Don't forget that because that's that. And I'm not the one that invented. That was said 2,000 years ago. All things are possible. Nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. So imagine your perfect world in detail and write it down. What's your perfect world like? Who are you? What's your place in life? How are you helping other people? How rich are you? The people who were the most blessed and religious people in the Old Testament days 3,000 years ago we're also the wealthiest. Money is just energy. Imagine yourself with the abundance that you deserve. You are a child of infinite intelligence. And as that child of infinite intelligence, you have a birthright. And your birthright is absolute abundance in every aspect of your life. Describe that life. That's one. Two, if it was impossible for you to fail, what would you do with your life? If it was impossible for you to fail, what would you do with your life? Third, energy is not made to stay in one place. It's always transforming. It's always changing. It's always moving. The amount of energy in the universe is infinite. If you take $100 billion out of that piece of pie, that's equivalent to taking zero out of the infinite resource. If you could not fail what who would you be what would you do and the third is how would you help others that energy that flows to you is not intended to stop it's intended to flow through you your abundance will come but you need to give before you can expect to receive and those are the three things if i was to put it in three general terms tanya i would say those three things I love it. Thank you for that. We're going to take a, a quick pause and we'll come right back because this is getting interesting. Dan. Thank you. Thank you. How many times have you looked around at the people you love and realized I'm different? You think differently. You feel like your view of the world is different from the rest. You have a constant and consistent appetite for more. 
You want more success, more fulfillment, more energy, more mental strength, more deep relationships, more happiness. If you feel a longing for any of these things, then I'd love to have you to be part of the Secrets of Success Mastermind community. And don't feel like you have to commit to anything right now. I'm not asking for any type of contracts or anything like that. All you have to do is say, maybe, and test drive the Secrets for Success for free for 30 days and see for yourself. Just click on the link on the show notes because when you do this, your life might take a big turning point. So let's go back to infinite intelligence and infinite abundance that you were saying. And this comes from your scientific side too. Like I just won't prove, like I work with my clients and I tell them that we have infinite abundance and that I want them to start focusing on seeing the abundance all around them, that there's infinite abundance of air. There's infinite abundance of, you know, trees and water and all these different things. So but then I have people that'll come back to me and say, well, there is an infinite abundance of water, you know, and if we eliminate those resources, then there's not infinite amount of that particular resource. How would you respond to that particular question? Because I want to hear it from a scientific perspective versus from my own answer. And I want to see if it overlaps with that, Dan. It all has to do with perspective, Tanya. People look at the world around them and they say, there's not infinite. There's not an infinite number of trees. There's not an infinite amount of oxygen. There's not an infinite amount of water. They're correct, but their perspective is too small. If you pull yourself away from the earth and you get further and further away, the earth gets smaller and smaller until not very far away. It's too small to see against the background of the stars and galaxies. And if you continue to get small, get further and further away, our sun becomes just a speck of light. And further away, it gets lost in the stars of the galaxy. And there, there are something like 100 billion stars in a galaxy, and there's over 100 billion galaxies. And that's just what we can see. It's infinite. In the infinite sense, Things are balanced, always balanced. You, you cannot have a universe that's not balanced. It flies against every principle of physics. Balance is the key to the universe. Balance and flow of energy. Everything is balance and flow of energy. Whether it's in you, whether it's in the earth, whether it's in the galaxy, whatever it is, it's balanced. Also, our ability to perceive is extremely small. We can only see what we can see, what we can only experience what we can see with our five senses, what we can feel, what we can hear and smell and taste and touch. Of all those, most of our information comes from our vision. And our vision is only, is less than one one hundredth of one percent of all of the energy that's out there that is called electromagnetic radiation, which is the energy which we can see. It's the energy of, of light. It's the energy of radio waves. It's the energy of infrared and microwaves. And all those are things that we're not even aware of, except one tiny little sliver of the spectrum that's called visible light. And if you look at, at the graph carefully of all of the electromagnetic spectrum, if it's this long, I'll turn my hand so that they fit the frame here. If it's this long, the visible lights part of the spectrum is small, is thinner than a human hand. All the rest is totally invisible to us. We have much of it, we don't even have equipment for measuring it. And as you get further and further out, if you get further and further out on the spectrum on the high frequency end, which is where we're spending a lot of our time on the high frequency end, that is where the energy of thought is out on the far end of the spectrum with a frequency so high that it, it it's in a realm by itself and it, it's fundamentally different than the the heat and the visible light and that we normally see in our experience. It's all a matter of perspective. The air that you breathe contains oxygen, which is necessary for life. That oxygen does not break down. The same oxygen is in the air today. Some of it's been lost to space, but fundamentally the same oxygen is here today that was here when the dinosaurs were around 150 million years ago. Some of the air, some of the oxygen that you're breathing today 
was breathed by a T-Rex. The same oxygen, it does not change. The same water that you drink has gone through the water cycle, evaporated out into the ocean, evaporated into clouds, it rains, it falls, goes to rivers and streams and goes back into the ocean in a continuous cycle, round and round the water cycle. Some of the water you drink is the same water that was drunk by Buddha and Jesus. Now you say that's not possible. No, it's absolutely possible. And some people have done calculations about what percentage of the oxygen that you breathe and the water that you drink was actually there. And it's several thousand atoms with every swallow of water. Several thousand atoms were, were ones that were shared with George Washington or Queen Elizabeth or Queen Elizabeth I back in the 1500s, or Christopher Columbus, or the great shamans of the ancient peoples. It's all the same stuff. It builds our bodies. We're 70% water. And you think, that's impossible. If you look at your body, you say, there's no way I could be 70% water. Look at me, I'm solid. I No, you're 70% water. And it's all a matter of perspective. And the the fact that there's pollution in the water, the fact that the air has smoke particles every place on the planet, the fact that dangerous chemicals are in every glass of water that you drink, very tiny amounts, but it gets distributed evenly throughout the planet. On a larger scale, everything is balanced. And if you want to be settled in anything, be settled in the fact that despite appearances of imbalance, unfairness, whatever it happens to be, everything is balanced at every instant on the planet, at every instant, every possible emotion of the human experience is being experienced somewhere on the planet from the very best to the very worst. Overall, it's all balanced. I love that. I love that explanation too. We're going to go because that goes with one of the universal laws, you know, law of polarity is my guess that you could expand more on and we'll come back to this. You'll see that our conversations here go in one direction, then we come into another one and then we balance them out, Dan. So I want to hear though, a little bit of, since we are doing this series on Think and Grow Rich, how and when were you first exposed to this book and how did it influence your life? Well, actually my father, who was a World War II veteran, my father had some books in his little library and one of them was Think and Grow Rich. And he had read it. He didn't really, wasn't a big proponent of it, but he had read it and I was aware of the book as a child, but I wasn't because my father wasn't very interested in it. I wasn't very interested in it, and I was reintroduced to it after a series of events going through my introduction to theology and years of study there and into the sciences. Think and Grow Rich came into my life mainly through the great teacher Bob Proctor, who actually signed my copy of Think and Grow Rich, which was great. I still read from that. But about eight years ago, I had come into the rainbow spectrum of Bob Proctor and his teachings and started reading Think and Grow Rich avidly. And it became one of my personal development books of choice. The other was The Power of Awareness by Neville Goddard, which Bob often referred to. But I started studying Think and Grow Rich. At first, it seemed to be a very dated book because it was written in the late 19 and was mainly dealing with real characters from the 19, from the teens and the 20s and the early 30s. But then I started reading, as I read it more often, and we say repetition, repetition, repetition. The first reading is always a cursory, superficial reading. The hundredth reading is going through the material again, but at a much deeper level where uh, a sentence that you may have passed over on the 20th reading suddenly stands out. And because of the smartphones, I have recordings of almost all the books that I read. I actually read them aloud, chapter by chapter, and then we'll play. Usually when I go to sleep at night, we'll play like I'm right now studying Think and Grow Rich, Chapter 12, The Subconscious Mind. And I've read and listened to that at least 50 times in the last month. And every time I go through it, new information comes through, nuances of meaning. 
and a different depth of meaning and how it applies to my life, how it applies globally to the development of civilization. I mean, it gets pretty important in terms of the information that's transferred. And so I started seriously with Think and Grow Rich about eight years ago. I have been an avid student of it since. This is fascinating, though. You're definitely taking it to a whole other level that's inspiring me. And I'm curious because I used to pride myself like, oh, I've read 50 books this year, you know, and one book a week or whatever. And it wasn't actually until I got exposed to the Institute, the Napoleon Hill Institute, where we were studying the material daily. And I also heard, you know, Bob Proctor, your mentor, that he studied this book for 60 years, every single day. And so I learned the difference between reading a book and studying a book. But now you're taking it to a whole other level, Dan, of recording it out. Well, first reading it out loud and then recording that and listening to it while you're sleeping. Please talk to us about that. Like, what does that power, because I'm sure there has to be something behind that, whether it's auto-suggestion, the power of hearing your voice out loud, the vibration in your cells. Can you talk to us a little bit about why you're doing it in that format so that we can all benefit from it? Well, I think you just, you just answered the question. You described it perfectly. It's kind of like learning to play the guitar as you hold the guitar in your lap. I've been a guitar student for 60 years, at least 60 years. The, you feel the resonance of the music coming through the guitar into your body, just like the humming. There's a reason that the, that the Om is so powerful in the Hindu religion. Humming makes your whole body vibrate. You can test it yourself. You can feel, if you go down to the right resonant frequency, you can feel your body vibrating to your own voice. And it's you producing energy for yourself. And the same happens with reading. Usually it takes a few readings to get it so that I get the timbre, the, the tone and the flow of it so that I like it. But then I can listen to it again and again. And like you said, it's my own voice. It's my own stumbling on some words. It's my own inflection on words, the tone of the sentence. Listen to it over and over and over. And it somehow gets deeper than it is just by silent reading or certainly by reading on an electronic device. I like the feeling of a book and turning pages, but I like even more listening to the recording. And I listened to a lot of recordings of Think and Grow Rich, and I th just thought, I just need to do it myself because the professional readers read it kind of like an industrial process. You know, it's a one in a list of books that they're being paid to, to read aloud. But if you can read it yourself, you pick up messages that you may not even be aware of when you're reading it, but when you listen to it, you get it. Yeah. Give us some examples of it. I mean, how many times do you think you've read Think and Grow Rich? No, no. It's been, well, if you can, and I don't know if you can count the listening to it, but if you, if you do the listening, yeah. it's hundreds of times. I mean, the recording for chapter 12, I think is 19 and a half minutes long. And it's on a loop. So if I start in the evening, when I go to bed, I started playing. I've listened to it over eight hours. I've listened to it 16 times that night. Wow, that's amazing. Recording over and over. And it'll actually pull me out of sleep. And that's an important time when you get woken up and you're listening to a recording and you come up out of a deep sleep with a message in your mind that this is an important concept. So let me ask you that. What do you do in that particular moment, you know, of do you jot down? Like, do you wake up in the middle of the night and write it down or record it onto your phone because you might be a little bit grogged out? Like, wh what's your process with that? Yeah, yeah, well, I have a journal next to the bed. Okay. And if I've woken up enough to, and I have a pen there, I'm ready to go. Do you it, have a wife next to you too? Yeah, but she doesn't wake up. Okay, you're lucky, man. If my husband was waking me up and writing down and turning on lights, I would be pretty upset the next morning. So <laughs> you're lucky that your wife is forgiving that way, that she has deep sleep. 
Yeah. And I just to write down the thought, because if you don't write it down, you'll forget it. It's a thought that comes drifting across the universe to your mind. And if you don't write down that thought, it's just like I, I had a really good idea about something, but I can't remember quite what it was. But I know it was a good idea. And that's happened. I don't know how many times to me. If I don't, That's if I'm great. not in place, I carry a pen with me. I have a pen in my pocket all the time. I, I think I have a pen right here. That's that, great. Do you have a, a, like a journal or a notebook, like an ideas notebook? Talk to us a little bit about your rituals then, because I find this fascinating and I want to dive deeper too into auto suggestion and why you're listening to these recordings at nighttime too. Well, this is a good segue for that because I think the journal is really critical to it. And you know, uh, almost everybody who's studied with Bob Proctor or studied Napoleon Hill, you know, you get into chapter four and they start finding out about writing out your goal statement and your confidence formula and so forth. But I have, like others, uh, I started with uh, 10 things I'm grateful for in the morning and three people you want to forgive. And we were taught that fairly early on at the paradigm shift events. But I thought there's something, still something missing that I need something to close the circle on the day to make it final. And so I do a recap at the end of the day. I do my gratitude in the morning, but I use Deepak Chopra's format. He said he wakes up in the morning and he asks himself the question, who am I? Why am I here? What am I grateful for? And so gratitude is in there, but it's also a little self discipline, and it doesn't have to be anything specific. It could be specific, but why are, you know, what's your overarching purpose? What's your chief purpose in life? Your main purpose? Is it to change the universe, to change civilization? Is it to change your family life? Is it to change yourself? And at the end of the day, there's also the six steps I can take tomorrow to get closer to my goal. Make that little list of six things, which is something that Bob often talked about, but not in a lot of detail. But it's also talked about in Think and Grow Rich, in the Charles Schwab story. The other thing is that I, I had never heard anybody do as a daily recap, and it goes like this. There are four things in the daily recap that go in the journal. One is a little tiny list, only has to be like three things, maybe five things, and only has to be one word apiece. What went well? What went well today? Before you go to sleep, coffee in the morning. I mean, it can be really simple. I had a great cup of coffee in the morning. Went for a walk. I called that person that I was intending to call. Got my bills paid. It could be trivial daily things, but you want to focus on what went well. Congratulate yourself. For goodness sake, congratulate yourself. Don't beat yourself up. And the same thing goes for the second step. Congratulate yourself in the first one. In the second one, the second line is what needed work. First line of what went well, I just put WWW with a colon and I make a list of things. The second line is what needed work, WNW. And it's not, I made a mistake. It's like if you lost your temper with your spouse and you had a little exchange back and forth, what needed work there? Was it compassion? Was it understanding? Was it acceptance? Use words that are positive words to describe what needed work. What quality of your character needed work in that experience? And be positive about it. If something went south, something went sideways, you're a little off the path, don't beat yourself up. The path is still there. path isn't gone. You So you took a couple steps off the path. Forgive yourself. Make a note, a mental note of what you need to work on. I needed to work on compassion in that situation and go on with it. And that list can be very short, one or two things, things that didn't go well. The third one, how are you going to awaken in the morning? Are you going to awaken grateful, clear, focused? What's a word that would describe how you're going to awaken in the morning? Just one thing so that your subconscious mind can start to work on that quality during the night. I'm going to awake grateful. I'm going to awake with a higher level of understanding. And the last one is the just the letter Q. It's a question that you can ask either to yourself, that spirit of infinite intelligence that's within you, or you can ask it to the universe. That's kind of not taking responsibility for it. 
given it's given the question to somebody else to take care of it's really you taking care of it it's really the spirit of the infinite within you that's doing that q what's my next step would be a general question it may you may be more particular what's my next step toward uh, a, a balanced budget in my household what can i save money that's great these are fabulous and i love how you bookend your day it's not just starting the day with journaling and your meditation and asking these questions your gratitude the people that you want to forgive but also doing it at the end of the day so that we can kind of recap instead of just going through life you know drifting and it's not a self-progress report it is. It really is. It's with growth and it helps us grow as human beings. Do you have any examples of how you've primed your subconscious mind and, you know, like where you might've guided it with that question or like, I need an answer, you know, like Napoleon Hill, a clear example for him was when he was trying to come up with a title for his book and the publisher said, I'll either, you know, you either come up with a good title or I'm going to use, what was it? I'll oodle your noodle or something. I can't remember that exact title, but he demanded of his subconscious mind, you know, Ed, before going to sleep. Do you have an example of that sort, Dan, that maybe a problem got solved or you woke up in the middle of the night or a dream came or something came your way? Well, there was a time when my wife and I were having a financial struggle with a person we'd invested with, and we only barely realized it. We didn't realize that we were being kind of taken for a ride, but a little hint came and we talked about it. And I wanted to know, you know, what's an important step I need to take? And really the answer came during the night that we need to get that, the not, it was assets, not specifically money, but we need to get these assets out of the control of this other person. And so I started taking action the next day. And it turned out that as things developed right at that same time, it turned out that there were many other people that had been taken for the same scam. And that person is facing the court system as we speak. But we, we were really fortunate to get out and get all of our assets out of that control just before things collapsed on the other end. That's amazing. I love those stories. You know, it's because it gives us examples of why we should put these things into practice, you know, and that's just a way of just the universe connecting with you and your intuition and tapping into your intuition. We're going to take one more pause here because I still have more questions for you, Dan. I think we're going to have to do another podcast. I think, uh, I think that, that would be a good thing to do. This is fun. Yeah. So we'll, let's take a, a short pause here. How many times have you looked around at the people you love and realized I'm different? You think differently. You feel like your view of the world is different from the rest. You have a constant and consistent appetite for more. You want more success, more fulfillment, more energy, more mental strength, more deep relationships, more happiness. If you feel a longing for any of these things, then I'd love to have you to be part of the Secrets of Success Mastermind community. And don't feel like you have to commit to anything right now. I'm not asking for any type of contracts or anything like that. All you have to do is say, maybe, and test drive the Secrets for Success for free for 30 days and see for yourself. Just click on the link on the show notes because when you do this, your life might take a big turning point. Welcome back, Dan. We were talking about an example with your subconscious mind and how your intuition spoke to you to get out of trouble with the assets. Talk to me a little bit more about intuition and what does that mean to you and how do we tap deeper into our intuition? Well, intuition is a quality of character. It's one of the intellectual properties that enables you, it, that is what I would like to call transcendent. It's a transcendent property because it, tra it transcends both time and space, which is really good in physics terms because those are really flexible. Time and space are really flexible anyway, but which make it all seem to make sense if you look at it from the modern or quantum physics standpoint. But intuition is a feeling that something is either right or something's not right. You have thinking centers in your body other than your brain. 
There are eight of them, actually. That's a whole other topic in itself. But the heart is one of those. The heart actually has the ability to sense things like your eyes can't see heat. You can't see heat from a fire. You can't see heat from a warm stove. But you have sensors on your skin that can. You can put your hands up to a warm stove and you can feel that radiant energy, that infrared energy coming into your hands. So that's something that your eyes do not have the ability to detect. Your heart doesn't have the ability to see in three dimensions, but it does have the ability to perceive truth. And that's really a very, he's saying, oh, you're just being woo-woo now. But you know that it's true because you've met people in your life. In the first 30 seconds, you have an impression and you say you have a heart feeling. You feel it in your heart. Or the another thinking center is in your gut, the perisneum that lines the, the mesentery that, that surrounds the in digestive organs are a neuroplexus of, of nerve endings and have thinking capability that you feel it in your gut. And when you feel it in your gut or you feel it in your heart, those are important signals coming to your brain. Those are important places to remember that my heart has the ability to perceive truth. And you'll never meet a person that would disagree with that because everybody has felt that. Everybody's felt that sense that something's something's not right about this person, or I'm very attracted to this person, or I really feel like I shouldn't go on this car trip, a feeling in your gut, something's not right. And if you fight, and the rule is follow your gut. I mean, it's a rule that's uh, kind of like a uh, old wives tale, follow your gut, but it's really true. And it's become a, a, an idiom of society because it's a true statement that has very little research backing it, but everybody knows it's true. And that is one part of intuition is being able to perceive the character of a person as you talk to them, or to be able to get a feeling about some future event that, that you may not even know about. I was driving my car and I went to change lanes and literally a voice said, don't change lanes yet. And from behind me, somebody came speeding in and crashed into the car in front of me in the, in the other lane. If I would have been there, it would have been me. That's pay incredible. Pay attention, pay attention to those feelings. And it, it also transcends space and time in another way in that you can get a feelings coming, essentially thoughts coming front to you from infinite intelligence, from the infinite that have to do with pieces of the puzzle. If you're working on a project, you're working on, on making progress toward your success and you don't know what the next step is, you don't need to know the next step, but you need to be aware of information that might be coming to you concerning your next step. That may come from a source that you have no idea what you're even looking at and suddenly something stands out to you in that situation or in that article that you're reading that may not have anything to do with the article, but it has to do with the kind of reading between the lines. What is it that's being said that I'm not getting? And intuition can come in a, a lot of different ways, but it's something that you really need to pay attention to because it can be the guiding source for your next step toward your destination. I love this. And how do we discern though, between the little voice in our head and intuition? The little voice in your head is part of it, is part of it because that little voice in your head and everybody has heard that little voice that is a, a little bit of a guiding voice. It's the voice of, of the infinite that has never changed within you. It's the same voice now as it was when you were five years old and you heard a voice or whenever that the first time people heard that if their imaginary friend when they were three years old that and people go how do I know if it's the voice or not well you just know because it's not a voice it's always a voice that's steady it's a voice that's calm and it's a voice that is positive if it's saying you can't do that or watch out for the stairs or whatever it happens to be I mean, that could be intuition if it's watch out for the stairs. But if, if it's saying you're not capable, that's not the voice. 
because you are capable. I am able. This is amazing. Dan, I have so many other things. I mean, we haven't even been able to scratch the surface with universal laws. I really do think I want to do a different episode with this because it's fascinating. I love the knowledge that you bring and the way you explain things, you know, to me, it's fascinating. Anyway, where can people find you? I have a website. It's called danrmatthews.com. On we'll, we'll put it on the show, no on, show on notes. Too. It sounds, like a, it sounds too. like a website URL, but it's on Facebook. Put in danrmatthews.com and it'll come up. We have an event coming up. Actually, I have a book that I wrote in 2000. Well, I wrote it about five years ago called Self-Help Jesus, that it's covering some of the same topics as we just have talked about, the connection between religion and science and personal development. And Jesus was the master personal development coach. He used some of the same phrases that are being used today. And uh, this is a, a short book that uh, goes through some of those the, the aspects of that. And, and let me ask you, with the book, would you consider, you know, especially for yourself, being a scholar within theology and all the other religions, could it be replaced with uh, self-help Buddha or self-help Allah, you know? The plan was, and I actually got an agreement to work together with a person named Amir Alk, who is a uh, professor at Georgetown, and he said that he would help me. I don't have the Islamic cred as much as I have the understanding, but he has the cred because he's a professor of Islamic theology. And he said he would work together on a corresponding book called Self-Help Muhammad, and then another one called Self-Help Self Buddha, because all they all tell the same story. They all are talking about the fact that God is love, all things are possible and the power of thought and belief. Oh, we need to get your message out there for all these conflicting religions and fights oh, really? around the world. For separate religions. They all believe the same thing already. And exactly. You just need to get rid of the rules and regulations and get back to the basic premise, God is love. End of story. I love it. Thank you for that, Dan. This has been amazing. I loved your presence. I loved your knowledge. I love you as a person. Thank you so much for being here, Dan. Thank and you, we Anna. will have you in a future episode for the Courage to Be podcast. And we can talk about anything you want. We could talk about the eight minds. We could talk about anything chapter by chapter through power of awareness, whatever you want to go through. This has been fabulous. Thanks so much, Dan. Thank you so much. I am so grateful that you joined me today. If you enjoyed it, there's one thing I'd like you to do. Click on the follow button so you don't miss a single episode. Leave me a rating and a review, and please share. As my way to thank you, email us a screen grab of your review at the email in the show notes, and we will send you a free Crafting Your Future guided visualization, which is so simple to do with outstanding results. It will empower you and give you the confidence to attract and create the life you've always desired. See you in our next episode.